You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. If I were the athletic director at Missouri, Oklahoma State, or UCLA, my sights would have been on this guy. doesn't matter that I'm at Nebraska. He is, in my opinion, not only the premier young coach in America, I believe he was everybody's first choice, and I got the pick of the litter. I'm thrilled to be back because I think the time is right for this, and it wasn't always that way. But with Hank and Ronnie and Bill, I think the leadership is right. I think the time is right. I think the state is hungry for unity. Uh, When I was here under Coach Osborne, there was unity of purpose and unity of belief and unity of understanding and unity of support for this program, what it stood for and what it was accomplishing. But I want, to, I want this program to be something that the people of this state can get behind and be proud of, uh, that these former players can be a part of and be proud of. And we all know what goes into that, the guys that played here. It's toughness, it's pursuit of excellence, it's unity. Those are the type of things that, that Nebraska stood for when we all played here, and, and that's going to happen again. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. As you heard, Bill Moose and Scott Frost as he was introduced Sunday. Man, what a week. What a weekend it's been around the state of Nebraska. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, and Nate Klaus as uh, we set the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. And I wrote this on Sunday. Uh, For the last 15 years, we've been through so many of these coaching change press conferences and movements at Nebraska um, with whatever direction they've tried to take the program. And so many times I think we've maybe tried to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt or maybe force ourselves to you know, give it a chance or think it was going to really be the right move. Um, but I think Sunday was the first time I, I said to myself, man, this really does feel right. And uh, having over 200 former players in the room, greet Scott Frost. Um, I don't know if I've ever been a part of something like that. You know, I didn't get to cover the national championship teams. My first year was 99. But um, to be a part of that on Sunday, um, it will be something that sticks with me for the rest of my career. No doubt. And, you know, credit to Scott. You know, he said all the right things. Um, it was kind of cathartic for Nebraska fans to, to see one of their own up there uh, talking about bringing things back to the way they used to be and, um, you know, how to, you're going to do it with discipline and all that stuff. So, I mean, like that, that was great. But what you said, Sean, it was the environment around that press conference. Not only the fact that there were, you know, the, the third floor of Memorial Stadium was packed. There were people watching from the fourth floor balcony like it was, you know, a concert or something. Uh, people were throwing watch parties around the state, wearing jerseys, you know, tailgating in their garage with the big screen on, watching a press conference. And that in itself shows what this hire means to this program and the significance of getting Scott Frost back to Nebraska. I mean, the, the, the one thing with the past three coaching changes, it's, it's been outsiders, you know, guys that are trying to adjust to what Nebraska football is. Now you're bringing a guy who was born here. He grew up a Nebraska fan. He played at Nebraska. Uh, he won a national championship. And so, you know, I mean, everything about Scott embodies what Nebraska wants its program to be about. And the fact that they were able to get him, oh, he's also the national coach of the year and the hottest coaching commodity on the market this year. Uh, I mean, it was an ideal situation in every sense. Well, we were just talking off air that uh – you know, all these coaching changes that we've seen over the last 15 years, the majority of them have come in as kind of 
losers, I guess. You know, they haven't had great seasons, or the reason why they were at Nebraska wasn't because they're they had uh, elevated themselves necessarily. As national coach of the year, yeah. And, and, and so you, you'd almost had to kind of convince yourself in the past that oh, this guy's got what it takes to to maybe you know take Nebraska to the next you know make that next step or get them over the hump. But when in reality, you know what they were they were kind of. Um, you know, maybe it already hit their peak of their coaching careers. And, and Scott Frost is the complete opposite. He's coming off an undefeated season. He's the national coach of the year. I mean, his star is rising. And, uh, and you just get a sense that, that uh, you know, he's, he's very confident in what he's doing, um, that uh, he feels good about, uh, you know, where he's at and, and what, how he operates. And um, the, the complete unity from the, the players, the former players, and the state uh, – in just a, a day's time, really, it, since, it, since Sunday when he was announced, is just uh, pretty unbelievable. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss uh, the hiring of Scott Frost and now where this program goes next. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, there weren't expectations thrown out about wins, losses, championships, division titles. It was more just about building a culture. And, and when you talk to all the people that have been around this program for years, that has been – what has been missing. And Tom Osborne said this after the press conference. We tried to explain it to the new guys, how we did it. And, and Nate, you were a part of some of those staffs that had to hear the how did, how did they do it. Um, and, and Coach Osborne said on Sunday, they still yet never understood. And, and I think it's hard to understand unless you were a part of it. And that's what, to me, Nate, is going to be different about this, that you've got guys up there like Scott Frost, Greg Austin, Ryan Held, Barrett Rude, um, a number of former Huskers, Matt Davison now in his prominent role, role as Associate Athletic Director for Football, that know how it was done here, and they're going to try to at least build the culture um, how Nebraska has had success. Yeah, I think that's really important because a lot of times that, that harping – of, of you know what this is what we did this is how we did it and it worked for us and and you know look what look what we accomplished by doing it this way it, a lot of times in the past when when you were the new coach or when you were a new assistant coach and and everybody that you crossed paths with told you that I mean it, it got to be kind of like okay okay yeah we get it yeah 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 um, but yet you're right they never truly understood it um, or just kind of you know I guess let it roll off their back and you know whatever you know that's times have changed or whatever but uh but you're right I mean these guys how it was done is pretty much ingrained in them and uh and there was something to it I mean with what they were doing obviously worked uh with what Scott Frost has did at Central Florida obviously worked and I think we're going to see that here going forward under his regime yeah, it was almost like the previous staffs tried to make Nebraska into something new um, you know obviously Bill Callahan came in and brought in this NFL mentality and you know almost operated it like a, um, a business and then you know you had Bo Pelini who came in and you know obviously did whatever he was doing and then Mike Riley came in and his staff you know tried to make Nebraska cool you know their whole thing was you know social media swag. branding swag um, getting online creating hashtags you know and posting Taking pictures of rappers oh yeah p- p- hanging out with chance the rapper and you know going to have videos of your, your three heralded freshmen walking downtown as like it's a music video i mean so like you know they, they tried all these different approaches of trying to reshape what nebraska football is in the public perception and that's going to be a different story now because they're getting back to the foundation that made nebraska football what it was and that's tough hard-nosed disciplined football that wins 
and that's the most important thing of all. Well, I think Nebraska, they've been so caught up in, like, everyone wants them to be just like Wisconsin or do it like Iowa. Well, Frost no. is going to try. I I think now we've, I, I don't know, I, I don't think they can do it exactly like those guys. We've kind of learned that. I mean, those teams have been doing it longer and better um, than Nebraska the last 10, 15 years. Frost is going to bring a different approach that he knows that he believes in that ultimately he thinks will give Nebraska a schematic edge. And that's with his up-tempo offense um, and, and, and what he's learned under Chip Kelly and guys like that. Yeah, and so you know they're they're creating their own identity while still kind of going back to the past, and it kind of goes back to you know when Bill Moose's opening uh, press conference. You know he said embrace the past. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Something about the, embracing the past, focus on the future, but you know live in the present. Something like that. And so I mean that's kind of the model that they're going right now. I mean they're they're. Cr- going back to their roots while bringing in a new flavor that has worked at several different levels at the highest stage and doing it with, you know, a guy that everybody's rallying around. All right, when we come back, we're going to discuss more of the coaching staff and, and what Scott Frost has put together already. It's pretty much been uh, an entire move over from Orlando to Lincoln as nearly all of his coaching staff is coming with him. We'll discuss that, give our thoughts on that. Uh, talk a little Nebraska basketball. They got a huge win. Scott Frost comes to Lincoln. All of a sudden, Nebraska basketball is winning big games. I think you can credit to the Coach Frost, right, Robin? But That's right. <laughs> we'll Frost talk, effect. We'll talk Husker hoops, take your questions in the mailbag, and then get the latest in recruiting as Nebraska now has made over 40 scholarship offers since Scott Frost has been hired. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I wasn't considered for this job last time it came open, and I'm glad I wasn't. I didn't get a phone call last time this job was open. I'm glad I didn't. The, the pieces are in place now. I believe a lot in Bill. I believe in, in, in Hank and Ronnie. I think this state is ready to see this place uh, return to, to what it was. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It is your place to watch all the NFL action this weekend, bowl game season also right around the corner. That's Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. And you just heard from Scott Frost as really the timing was everything with this job at Nebraska. Um, You know, he wanted to be a part of Bo Pelini's staff in 2008. Bo Pelini brought him in for Basically, what was a token interview, wasted his time. I talked to Frost that night. He was not happy. Basically, at that point, led me to believe it would be very difficult for him to ever get a chance back at Nebraska. Well, Polini then could have hired him again as his offensive coordinator, but the stipulation was he wanted to call plays. Well, Bo Polini promised that to Tim Beck. Um, so in 2011 or 12, that, that never happened uh, when Sean Watson left and then Frost came in. And then lastly, when Bo Polini was fired, Frost was a candidate in a lot of people's eyes to at least get an interview or talk to for the job. Not one phone call from Sean Eichhorst. And here we are now today as Sean Eichhorst is gone, Harvey Perlman is gone, Bo Pelini is gone. Um, All of the people that passed up on uh, Scott Frost are no longer a part of this. And he said, you know what, I want to be back here. And what's been interesting is now watching him assemble this coaching staff. Um, A lot of times you, you can go two different ways. You can bring all the guys with you. Or you can kind of do what Turner Gill did and only bring like one or two guys with you and then try to assemble an all-star staff like he did at Kansas, and then it failed miserably. Um, And I I think he's looked at a lot of different things and realized he's had a lot of success 
with these guys at Central Florida, and he wants that continuity with this system, Robin. And um, right now he's brought – when you look at the 10 coaching positions, counting Barrett Rude, eight of those 10 spots are filled by guys from Central Florida, and there's a good chance that maybe nine of the 10, if not all 10, could be those Central Florida coaches from a year ago. Yeah, and I you know, I know – understand why people are you know kind of leery of this I mean Nebraska's had issues with the buddy system uh, with guys hiring people they know and are friends with as opposed to going out and getting the best candidate but the reality is in coaching you have to have people around you that you trust and have the same way of thinking about how you build a program as you do and so um, a loyalty factor. yeah a loyalty factor and so you know this is I mean yes there, there's a lot of you know carryover here but it's carryover from a team that just went 12 and 0 and was one of the most uh, highly productive offenses in the country uh, and so I mean that it only makes sense that that was going to happen and the best part about it for Nebraska there's guys that know Nebraska that are coming back like you mentioned I mean guys like Greg Austin Ryan Held, Barrett Rude I mean just go down the list uh, I mean there's guys that understand what they're getting themselves into so it's a little different in that respect where you're not just taking all these guys from the Pacific Northwest and trying to make them you know Nebraska football coaches there are guys that understand this and so it's going to be I think a much smoother transition than there has been in previous years and so you know I, I know that people wanted some retainment uh, with current members of the staff but um, I'm going to go ahead and just give the guy that uh, you know won the national coach of the year a little bit of leeway about what he wants to do with and, his coaching staff and they, I mean it's like Husker fans and we're probably as guilty as anyone to lead the Chargers they want this all-star recruiting staff of Tosh Lapoy and Ed Orgeron and John Blake <laughs> and I mean let, let's get them all and have them here and who cares if they can coach they can recruit well they kind of did that Nate I mean the last couple years I mean you bring in all these guys that Riley brought in, and I-Course kind of orchestrated it. They tried to build the all-star band, and it failed miserably. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Riley, and, and he brought a handful of his guys that he was comfortable with and, and had been with him for a long time, and then kind of piecemealed together the rest of the staff with, with some guys that, that had the ability to recruit and, and had coached, you know, obviously coached before. And um, and I think that, that maybe sometimes there, there wasn't always – the same message. There wasn't always, you know, and not everyone was always on the same page necessarily. Um, but, but, and you look at, you know, Bo Pelini had never been a head coach before, so he didn't really have a staff in place. Uh, so he, he brought the best guys that he could or the best guys that he knew, which were mostly like interns and GAs for the most part. Um, so that was a very inexperienced staff. Bill Callahan, same deal. Didn't necessarily didn't have time to build yeah, a staff. Didn't really have time to build, build a staff. And so he had to kind of piecemeal his together. Well, with Scott Frost, there's a staff in place. They've done uh, a, a turnaround before. They they took over a program that had gone winless the year before, and and they they changed the culture there. They they you know they got them back on the right track. They want they went undefeated this year. So. Obviously, all these guys know the, the, the what the message is. They know what type of culture is it needs to be instilled uh, to to be a winning program, um, and they're all comfortable with one another. and And I think that when you have that. It's, uh, I mean, it just makes too much sense not, you know, to, to break it up. Why, why would you break that up if, if you're, if you have something that's, that's working so well with one another? And look at the, look at, look how it's worked already, Nate. I mean, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Um, we've never seen a staff come in and literally transition 
where it's zero to sixty, mm-hmm. literally the, the the second they got off that plane. Yeah, and that's and that's the only way that this has happened. How they've been able to hit the ground running so fast on the recruiting trail is because all these guys are on the same page. They all know that you know they're familiar with who the targets are already. They, they I mean, every, there's one message, and all these guys are are working like a small army out there on the recruiting trail. And the reason why that's possible is because they they're all on the same page. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus. Now, still two more spots that need filled. Troy Walters, um, Scott Frost's offensive coordinator at UCF, is the interim head coach at this moment for Central Florida. Um, and, and he's got a standing offer, I believe, to come back here um, and kind of still weighing his options, wants to be a head coach. Then Sean Becton, the tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator for Frost, he as well has an offer, and uh, they're kind of waiting on his response back. So it will be interesting if those two guys choose to follow, if only one comes, what direction Frost goes uh, for that other spot, uh, because I think there are a lot of people interested in being a part of the staff, knowing the longevity that you would think Frost is going to have here. It's an attractive situation in a profession where coaches don't get much stability. Yeah, and, you know, obviously there's the initial reaction is why would you even hesitate uh, to take a job at Nebraska as opposed to, you know, staying at a place like Central Florida. But, I mean, there's other elements involved here. Um, You know, a guy like Edwards, um, you know, he's got a chance to, you know, kind of move up the ladder a little bit by staying home at Central Florida. I mean, who knows what his role would be if he'd be a full-time offensive coordinator? Would he call plays? Um, you know, and then he's probably got some other opportunities to maybe move on to be a head coach. And so he's got other things that, you know, he's probably looking at right now um, as opposed to, you know, following, you know, a place like Nebraska, which would be a step up. But, you know, he's got options. Financially, for sure. I mean, yeah, you, no you, doubt about you look that. at the pay. I mean, these guys, Nate, got mm-hmm. double. I mean, uh, can we can we get one of those gigs where we yeah. get the double pay? I mean, guys going from like 140 to 350, um, you know, and Shenan- Eric Shenander is going to make pretty close to Bob Diaco money. And that is the commitment. When you break it down on this staff, Bill Moose has allocated $10 million to hire 12 people, essentially. Excuse me. Um, yeah, Scott Frost, 10 assistants, and a strength coach. So mm-hmm. you can divide 12 by 10 million, and you can you can pay a lot of money to guys with that money right now. Yeah, I mean, the the financial part of it is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, what, if, if you had the opportunity to go from – uh, a group of five school to uh, a power five school that just so happens to be a blue blood like Nebraska, where the head coach is from and is going to have a you know a long tenure. You know why wouldn't you do that? Um, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Oh, and by the way, you're going to double your salary. So um, and houses are a lot cheaper yeah, here, probably. Li- yeah, living expenses and all that are a lot better now. There is uh, state income tax, which is a little bit different uh, than Florida. Uh, but on the other hand, you know you, you look at Walt. And and Sean Becton, especially Sean Becton, uh, on that on that UCF staff, he's he's been there. He, he's was a high school coach at, at Daytona Mainland, where he played high school football. Uh, he played at UCF. He's always been from Florida, and so you, you do have to take your families into account. And uh, and sometimes you're loyal to your your alma mater too, you know. And, and I think that's what might be the case with Sean Becton. All right, when we come back, we're going to discuss some Nebraska basketball here as we transition over. We'll give Robin Washington his first true basketball segment of the season as. Huskers got a big win against Minnesota. They got a big game Saturday against Creighton. Um, can they survive this treacherous five-game gauntlet? They have 
Um, just two games left of that, and uh, we'll get Robin's thoughts on where this program's at. And then we're still going to take your questions in the mailbag and also uh, close the show with everything you need to know about Husker recruiting. But Husker Hoops next with Robin Washett. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. First of all, the crowd was amazing. And I think that everybody in there uh, dressed in the candy stripe was uh, was uh, tremendous. They were so loud. It was such a great energy. Pinnacle, I, I just, I've never dreamt it could be like that when I was coaching all these places. I've been to some really cool places where it gets loud and obnoxious, and but Pinnacle's really got a great vibe. and. The guys fed off that, there's no doubt. That was the first time it's been like that this season. And I think that helped. I also think that they weren't happy or, you know, with the way they played against Michigan State. They want to prove that they're better than that. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as Tim Miles' squad got a huge home win over number 14-ranked Minnesota on Tuesday night. They're playing this treacherous five-game schedule uh, stretch here. Uh, Nebraska 2-1 and one now with wins over Boston College and Minnesota uh, they have a loss on their tab, though, to a very good top five Michigan State team. Uh, but still, Creighton, who's back and rolling again. Toby Hegner is all of a sudden back when they thought he was going to be out for a long time. Uh, they got a big win over North Dakota the same night as Nebraska. And then uh, you've got Kansas um, the following Saturday on graduation weekend in Lincoln. So um, the, it's by no means over, Robin. But, man, 2-1 uh, and one is about as good as you could have asked for on this first three-game stretch. Going into this deal, I said one win would be a victory um, out of that. I don't necessarily throw Boston College in that stretch. I mean, yes, they're a Power 5 team, but they hadn't won a road game since 2015. So Nebraska was expected to win that. But when you t- look at Michigan State, Minnesota, Creighton, Kansas, I said if Nebraska could win one, that would be a pretty good um to take away from that and so they got that one and I thought Minnesota was probably the most winnable out of those just with the way that it matched up the fact that it was at home the Big Ten opener that awesome environment um, but now you know you look ahead to these next two um, this is probably I mean going to Michigan State that was a loss but you know I mean we've seen what happens you know when Nebraska struggles at Creighton it can get bad and then you have Kansas coming to town uh, to close things out uh, I think right now uh, the big key for Nebraska is find a way to keep that momentum you just picked up um, with our, without a doubt your biggest win of the season and try to, if nothing else, keep these things close. Give yourself something to build upon. Um, don't go to Omaha and have it be 38 to six or whatever it was, you know, a few years ago. I mean, this is a a matchup that I think Nebraska um, is probably a little bit more favorable than it has been in previous years. But, um, you know, if they, if they don't, if they bring the effort they had to start against Michigan state, things get ugly in a hurry in both those games. Yeah, You look at the history of, uh, Tim Miles versus Greg McDermott. I, I joked um, that with, with earlier this week on another show. I think Tim Miles has lost to Greg McDermott and everything, including g- on the golf course. I mean, this goes back to their Division Two days. I mean, he's just had his number, and I I don't know why that is because Miles has had some good teams. He's a good coach. He's taken a lot of teams to the NCAA tournament and done this and that, but. Whatever the style that McDermott brings to the table, it has just been a matchup problem for Tim Miles. Yeah, uh, you know I think right now um, McDermott is twelve and zero at all levels um, against Tim Miles. So I mean, just the numbers speak for themselves. And 
a lot of those wins since Miles has been in Nebraska have, have been pretty lopsided. So um, it, it's kind of one of those deals where you got to wonder, like, how much of that is in Tim's head and how much does that kind of anxiety about playing Creighton and McDermott translate over to his players? Because it's, you know, there was a year coming off the NCAA tournament team when Creighton had maybe the worst team they had during that stretch. And Nebraska had what was supposed to be its best team during that stretch. And the Blue Jays rolled into Lincoln and, you know, that was the one that hurt the most. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's 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 kind of hard to explain why things have played out the way they have. But, you know, this is, again... And nobody on this current Nebraska team, to me, should have these mental Creighton problems because I don't think very many of these guys even know much about that stuff. Well, the, I mean, you're looking at the junior class of the guys that have only played them more than two times. And so, I mean, guys like Glenn Watson, you know, Jack McVeigh. But McVeigh uh, won't even maybe see the floor. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's very few people that, you know, have... You know, there, there's been years past where they had seniors that have lost three years in a row and trying to avoid four in a row. Now, I guess going ahead to the actual matchup here, um, it's going to be a situation where Nebraska has to walk a fine line with how they approach defending Creighton. Creighton, obviously, they run and run and run and they shoot three-pointers. And so Nebraska, on the other hand, their strength is playing in transition and keeping the tempo up as high as possible. So um, they, they got to do a, a, a balancing act of not falling into Creighton's trap where you're getting yourself into a track meet. But then you also can't get in a situation like they did against St. John's, which was a very similar matchup, a guard-heavy lineup with the Red, uh, Red Storm, and they basically shot Nebraska out of the gym. They forced him to beat him with half-court jumpers, and Nebraska couldn't buy a bucket. So th- that's kind of the situation Nebraska's in. Uh, I guarantee you Kyrie Thomas, uh, who's probably the best on-ball defender in the country, is going to be locked in on Glenn Watson. So it's going to come down to somebody else on that team for Nebraska stepping up and making plays. I'm looking at James Palmer. I'm looking at Isaac Copeland. And maybe most importantly, I'm looking at Jordy Shimonga. Uh, Jordy has been absolutely terrible this year offensively. And if there was ever a game for him to finally break out of that funk, this would be it. Uh, because Creighton's arguably the biggest weakness on their team is their post defense. And so if you can get Jordy to look like he did at the end of last season, where people were calling him a potential sophomore breakout star in the Big Ten, that would be huge because then that allows you to slow things down tempo-wise while still getting buckets on the offensive end. Um, he doesn't even have to score, but if you can run your offense through him where you're getting touches in the paint and then he's passing it out for three-pointers, that's where I think Nebraska, that's the recipe for how you win this game. You slow Creighton down, and then you're effective in the half court. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we discuss Nebraska basketball. Um, and Robin, uh, Nebraska got to 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten as every single Big Ten team this past week played two games in pretty much, what, a four-day period? Yeah, yeah. It's the Champions Weekend that basically got the conference opener lost in the shuffle of coaching changes and football championship games. But it was, I mean, all because of, is this a one-year thing? No, it'll be further going on because they're going to move to 20-game schedules. And it so improves you, your inventory for December for the Big Ten Network. It where, does. Where it they does. get better games on that. No right. coach likes it, though. You ask any coach in the conference, they hate it uh, because you're still trying to figure out your team, and then all of a sudden you're throwing conference games in the mix. And, uh, you know, Richard Pitino said it best. He's like, I think every coach doesn't like it, but we all have to do it. And I liked it a lot when we beat Rutgers and I hate it now that we lost to Nebraska so it's one of those deals that you know teams are just going to have to adjust because this is the way it's going to be from now on yeah you look at this this stretch now for Nebraska obviously they've got these two games with Creighton and then Kansas uh, but then they have three what you would call guarantee games after that so if they could just you know even if they lost these two and they can take care of their three guarantees that would put them at what 10 and 5 yep um and finish the non-conference with a what? The record non-conference uh, would be nine and uh, 
Well, they'd be eight and eight, eight and five, eight and five. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they can get nine and eight and four, eight and four. Eight and four, eight and four yeah, uh, it, it'd be nice if they could get you know to a, a more respectable mark. But um, you know, th- that's they're off to a much better start than they were a year ago. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the losses they've had. I mean, they've lost we're, a true road game to St. John's, who's looking to be one of the better teams in the Big East, which is looking like one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in college basketball. Central Florida was a crap game. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, essentially, that was a true road game. I mean, they were playing in Orlando against Central Florida, and they got out of that deal two and one. And we talked about the importance exactly. of that. I mean, they no matter what happened in Orlando, they needed to leave there at least two and one. Yeah, and so you know that they basically. This is a situation where it doesn't matter about style points. It doesn't matter about quality wins. Right now, Nebraska just needs to get victories. You need to get as much over 500 as you can because I think, you know, the Big Ten's kind of slow starting right now, but by the end of the year, they're going to be up there with, you know, among the best conferences in the country. And so if you can keep yourself in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten standings, you will be in prime position to make a postseason bid, an NCAA tournament bid, and if nothing else, a good NIT seed. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion back over to football as we will take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You can't put a price tag on it. It's a three-and-a-half-hour marketing commercial for Nebraska football because that's what those guys are going to be talking about, the announcers. They're going to be showing Scott Frost in Nebraska and all this, and then our recruits are going to be watching that offense and everything and going, boy, I I could fit into that. I think it's for whatever small negatives there might be, there's tons more of positive. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose riling up the Central Florida fans as he's done so brilliantly the last few days, basically calling the Peach Bowl an infomercial for Nebraska. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. And we're pleased to bring in Matt Reynoldson, our intern, who got to experience his, his first coaching change at Nebraska. And Matt, you picked a good year to intern for us. Absolutely. The last two years have been pretty nuts. You had a 7-0 and season last year, starting off strong, and then that kind of tanked down the stretch. This year was 4-8. and eight. Uh, new athletic director, new coach. It's been kind of a wild ride. You're, lear- you're learning, you're learning, young man. Well, let, let's get to the questions. Lots of questions. What do you have in the mailbag? Well, people starting off already questioning about what's going to happen a month down the road. What will be the biggest change or adjustment Nebraska's players will have to make for the Frost era? Um, I, I think the culture Frost is going to want to build, and when strength coach Zach Duvall follows him to Nebraska, I, th- I anticipate a very, very tough winter. Um, a very hard winter of workouts and, and and just finding out who really is all in on this thing and who really wants to work and who wants to be held accountable um, because I, I do believe that was one of the downfalls of Mike Riley. He did not really run a very tight ship. Um, I think a lot of guys maybe got away with some things that they're not going to be able to get away with now, and it will be interesting to see how some of the older players on this team react. Yeah, that's definitely going to be as big as anything. But also, just on the when they actually get to practices, uh, those guys are going to be in for a wake up call with the tempo and potential speed morning practice in which too. yeah the change of time. But just the way that they operate practices, there will be no standing around watching. This is a I mean I remember back in 2011 when Scott Frost was still the wide receivers coach at Oregon. He came back to Lincoln and spoke at the Nebraska High School Coaches Association um, event, whatever, and gave a speech about just kind of explaining 
explaining how the Chip Kelly offense works uh, and how they do their things. And he said they don't really even do conditioning because their practices are conditioning. It is nonstop running where they maximize every second that they're allotted each day in practice. And so, um, you know, that was one of the things he said in his press conference. He's like, there will be no guys sitting there taking a knee in practice. And that's why they did it back at Nebraska. That's how he did it at Oregon. That's how he did it at Central Florida. And I guarantee you it's how he's going to do it back in Lincoln again. Yeah, my biggest deal is the winter conditioning. Um, every time there's a new coach, you know, that's the winter conditioning is taken up a level, and it's made to to make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, because the people who aren't fully invested in the program, when they feel uncomfortable, they're going to throw the towel in and, and you know quit and or transfer out or whatever. So um, I think it's going to be extremely difficult, and uh, we're going to see um, who's in and who's out pretty soon. All right, play devil's advocate a little bit for this hire. What's one concern you have for Coach Frost and his staff going into year one? Uh, I, I just can this truly work in the Big Ten? Um, you know how how will you know it have? What type of success is it going to have against more of the physical, heavier styles of defenses you see in this league with you know bigger linemen? And you know on the flip side, could they wear those guys down with their speed if they get in a rhythm? But I, I you just wonder. You know, can he really blend this into a league? Is the pack or the Pac-12 and the AAC are a lot different than the Big Ten? Yeah, I'm probably just look for Frost himself, just living up to the expectations that have been set for him before you know he's even been a full week on the job. Uh, I mean, that's that's a lot to handle. And you know, there was a story that came out, kind of recapping his final days at Central Florida, where um, you know he was having a candid conversation, saying that one of the things he liked the most about Central Florida was the anonymity, where you know he could go coach a game, get a big win, and then on his way home, still in his full Central Florida coaching gear, stop and get a burrito, and no one would even look at him <laughs> twice because they didn't. You know, I mean, they just didn't care, and he liked that. He liked being under the radar. Well, you're coming to Nebraska. That didn't happen. You are the face of the state now. There's nowhere he can go where people aren't going to know him, want to take selfies, talk to him, get autographs. And so this is going to be a complete culture shock for him. Um, obviously, he knows what he's getting himself into, but he's never done it at this status. And so how uh, kind of an introverted personality handles all of that will be very interesting uh, over the long term. Yeah, I, I think my, my biggest question is – you know how do how do you how do you handle your schemes? Do you do you blend? You know, what, and what type of personnel do you have? Do you feel the need to blend and adapt to your personnel, or do you just you go full speed ahead with what you run and run it to the best of your ability, regardless of of how your personnel fits into that system? So, uh, I think that to me is is going to be the biggest question: is exactly how they're going to handle, or the, if they run the scheme, or if they um, you know change things up a little bit. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we take your questions in the mailbag with Matt Reynolds. Well, Sunday there was a very well-publicized video by Nebraska football, by Nebraska Athletics, in which Scott Frost walked into the weight room and saw about 150 former players there to greet him. So a lot of people are excited about the possible presence of former players. Question asked in the mailbag, are there limitations to how much they can be around and is being around practice, is that going to help influence a winning mood? By the way, it's uh, come a long way from Bo Pelini's uh, publicized North Star meeting to something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you think about just the last few years of, uh, but uh, you know, former players have all and letter winners are always invited and always have been invited uh, to come back to practice. But um, you know, you can call and you get a pass and they let you in and. 
you know, certain guys come maybe a lot of guys come in August, a lot of guys come in the spring, Saturday practices particularly. Um, so I imagine that's going to stay the same. And I'm sure Matt Davison, one of his duties will be kind of a buffer between a lot of those guys that want into practice and, and, and whatnot. And they're allowed on the sidelines. Usually I think one or two games a year, a former player can request a pass and they let them be on the sidelines of, uh, that, that, uh, North, uh, that northeast corner. So I'd imagine a lot of that's going to stay the same and you're just going to see a lot more of those guys around. Yeah, it's going to be a kind of a balancing act for him because on one hand, clearly you want to embrace the, the, the tradition and everything and have those guys come back and be welcomed within the program because that's what Nebraska football is all about. But at the same time, Scott's going to have to find a way to say no sometimes. I mean, these not, not only are they former players, but there's buddies, there's longtime friends, guys that were, you know, he grew up with. Uh, and now there's going to be a lot of requests, you know, people wanting tickets, wanting to go to practices, wanting to go to games and having him do stuff. So, I mean, uh, he's going to have to learn how to, where to draw that line as to, you know, where you can support the program as a former player, but also you, you, you know, don't want guys kind of getting too involved and kind of cluttering your day-to-day operations. Yeah. There's no, I think the question asks if there's a rule or anything like that. There's no rule as far as how many guys, former players can come around or, or you know what they can watch and what they can't watch, uh, but you, like you said, Robin, I think the the key part is is kind of drawing a line and say, okay, this is what you're welcome to to watch and and to come back for and everything. But you know when it's when it's time for us to go to work outside of you know you watching practice, then um, you know we need to go to work. So um, I, I think for me that's kind of going to be the uh, interesting thing to watch how that's handled. All right, we're up against it. What do you got, Matt? What do you see? What do you foresee as far as continuing Friday night lights camps and satellite camps under the Scott Frost regime? I think satellite camps will continue because that's an Adidas thing. And Adidas, uh, Shannon Furbach, um, who Nate and I got to know, who is the grassroots director for football in North America for Adidas, was at the press conference. And he runs all that, and I would imagine that uh, Nebraska will be a part of those things. Uh, Friday Night Lights, that will be interesting. If if they continue to utilize it, Nate, or, or kind of tone it down, or what direction they go in that. Yeah, you know, I, I do see the satellite camps going, and, and uh, I, I hope that they utilize the Friday Night Lights camp because I think that's one great thing that Mike Riley uh, and his staff really did. They, they kind of promoted that thing, and it's growing into a, a, a bigger thing each and every year. So I, I think that – this new staff could really utilize that. Okay, guys, the weekly fun question. If the Husker Woo-hoo! Online staff had to band together and play one sport to save the world a la Space Jam, <laughs> what sport would we choose? <laughs> and who would be the MVP? Oh, man. Well, sure as hell wouldn't be golf. Um, <laughs> uh, but I would probably still go with basketball. Yeah. Um, I was at least a varsity basketball player on a team and I, I think I could use my body a little bit better now and uh, I would probably stick with basketball yeah uh we also have you know the big baller himself David Eichholt that could probably uh, per- can, we, can we bring he Dan- got Shabazz Muhammad thrown out of a game in high school <laughs> so <laughs> we, we have plenty of enforcers on the team that's we could have <laughs> Greg Peterson go in there and just like draw some technicals <laughs> Matt now Matt Matt played basketball at Lincoln East David played bat. yeah I think basketball and we could probably have Dan Hoppen be a part of it as a um a freelancer or something he could be our ringer did, did they specify like does it have to be an olympic sport can we go like a a beer or like a bar sport oh yeah i mean what are we can we do Ooh. now if we're playing beer pong you know beer pong or darts or i mean sports jeopardy even gold <laughs> golden tea jeopardy. i mean golden tea okay. oh yeah i am really good at golden tea i'm not so gonna lie can confirm 
So, I, I mean, I, I think that could be a, a definite game changer. Yeah, well, it depends, maybe depends play... on what your definition of sport is. Well, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. When we come back, lots of recruiting to get caught up on. Nate Klaus will close the show with me next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We got to recruit. We got to get speed in here. I think we already have some of it. We got to lift harder and get stronger. We should have uh, great guys in the trenches. Uh, we got to get some people that fit our scheme, and that's going to take a while. But I've seen it happen in a couple places, uh, and I have no doubt we can do that here. And if, if we get the right pieces in place, I know what this offense can do, and I think that's been proven. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was new Nebraska head coach Scott Frost discussing kind of the recruiting plan here going forward, Nate, as we bring in Nate Klaus. And they have wasted no time implementing that recruiting plan. And, you know, Nate, as we kind of knew how this was going to happen, that Frost is coming in, we thought for sure that they would have to kind of maybe go in and maybe offer more local guys and, um, you know, do some things like that to kind of fill this class out right. But, boy, we were wrong. I mean, what they've done already shows me that they have really had something in place for more than a week uh, because the amount of offers they've made, the amount of ground they've covered, that's not something you just come up with um, on a plane ride from Orlando to Lincoln. No, this was not this is not an idea or a strategy that was hatched over a span of a couple hours. This is something that I mean, they definitely did their homework. They they studied this roster. They they studied Nebraska's recruiting class. They studied who they've offered, who has visited Nebraska. Um, and then they kind of meshed that together with a lot of the recruits that they had evaluated at Central Florida, whether they were big-time guys that they didn't even really, you know, know that they had a shot with so they they didn't really recruit them all that hard um or guys that they knew that were kind of flying under the radar uh, recruits that were on the juco market that would best fit nebraska's biggest needs in this recruiting class and what they need on the roster um all of those things and then as soon as it went official which was about 4:40 on saturday afternoon um you know within two hours you had your first offers starting to to go out. Adrian Martinez, right? Adrian Martinez, the four-star quarterback that's committed to Tennessee that's going to be taking his official visit to Nebraska this weekend was the first recruit to tweet that he had an offer from Scott Frost and the Central Florida staff. So, um, And then from that point on, you know, within 72 hours of, of that point, um, you've seen close to 50 offers and, and right around 40 of them being for the 2018 class. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah, let's stick on that subject on Adrian Martinez. Tennessee just hired Jeremy Pruitt, a defensive-minded head coach, on uh, Thursday as their guy, Alabama's defensive coordinator. He's in the midst of a playoff run. Um, you, you have to like Nebraska's chances here. Um, you got a defensive-minded head coach, number one, that's probably not going to really present as attractive of an offense uh, because that's how typically defensive-minded head coaches think. Um, and where Frost is going to sell to him, look, you could be my guy, and we were the number one offense in the country. Yeah, it's been huge. Um, I, I think that 
everything's lining up for Nebraska to to steal quite a quarterback here. Um, and this is something that that's even been sped up a little bit from uh, from his first in home visit that he had with new quarterback coach Mario Verduscu. Um, you know, I spoke with Adrian before that visit and then afterwards. Um, and and before he said, "Yeah, I'm coming in on December 15th. Uh, interested to see you know what what uh, Nebraska has to offer and and to meet the new staff and everything." And then after that home visit, uh, his his tone, his excitement level was taken to a whole other. Uh, dimension because he he said oh the visit was great coach voodoo or verdu is what what he called him uh, was unbelievable he met with my family my family loves him and uh, and we moved the visit up to December 8th and and uh, we can't wait to get there and um, and he's even started following some of the new recruits that Nebraska has targeted some some big time guys that they've recently offered so to me, that, that tells me I, I like Nebraska's chances here, um, and I think that he's connecting with some some key players that, that have uh, started to come up in this recruiting class, and uh, he very well could be that quarterback of this class, um, or at least one of the quarterbacks of this class. Now, Nate, is he he's not an early enrollee, is he, Adrian Martinez? Um, that I, I'm, I'm unclear on right now. I don't believe he is, uh, but I think he wants to sign on the 20th, so... Um, so I think that's that's part of the reason why he's wanting to take our this visit, um, which he was originally supposed to visit Missouri this weekend. He canceled that trip to come to Nebraska. And Missouri lost their offensive coordinator, Josh Heupel, to Central Florida. Yeah. So um, it, it looks really good for the Huskers right now to land uh, the nation's 167th ranked player in the latest rivals 250, six foot three, 200 pounds. And by the way, Calabrasca still lives on, Nate, as yeah. uh, they are trying to get Adrian Martinez. 11 visitors, Nate, 11 visitors now scheduled already to be in Lincoln um, over these final two weekends before that December 20th signing period. I'd imagine that number is going to keep growing. Yeah, it's going to keep growing. And, and um, there, I'm, I'm positive that there's probably – you know, four or five guys, maybe even more, that have already locked up visits, but we just uh, we have not been able to confirm them, confirm those quite yet. Um, you know, and this this weekend's going to be pretty big, and then uh, we're going to see a huge push too from uh, from Nebraska to to get a bunch of guys in on that December fifteenth weekend, which uh, you know, of course, is the last uh, open weekend before the dead period hits, before that early signing period. But uh, yeah, you've, you're going to have about seven or eight kids at least visiting this weekend and probably just as many uh, the following weekend. What do you think, you know, Nate, it will be interesting to see how this first weekend comes to form. You're going to have, you know, eight guys relatively new when you count um, the staff and Coach Frost and then some holdovers uh, that will maybe have a limited role. I'm going to be really interested. I'd love, I'd love to be a fly on the wall just to kind of watch the dynamics of this first Scott Frost visit weekend. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, obviously, you get some guys in the staff that are familiar with Nebraska, but they they don't know the ins and outs necessarily of all the new facilities. Um, you know, it, like the the athlete performance lab, the new life skills department, the academic center, um, you know, even the weight room, you know, where there's some impressive selling points with all these new facilities um, that that this staff doesn't quite know right now. So they're going to have to rely on on some of the, the former um, or still current, you know, uh, recruiting staff people um, and, and personnel guys that uh, that have been kind of 
of helping out under Riley uh, or that were full-time guys under Riley but are still technically employed by Nebraska, I think they're going to have to rely on those guys to really get a, get a sense for the, the flow of the visit weekend and, and how they've kind of operating that uh, from a blue point perspective a blueprint perspective, um, you know, in, in terms of the just the overall flow of it. So uh, it will be pretty interesting to see how that goes and, and how smoothly things go this weekend. Nate, as we wrap it up here in this last minute, number one, two-part question, What what's the biggest offer trend that you've noticed, whether it's a certain type of player, uh, the geography or whatever? And then number two, how many – I know you get asked this a lot, but how many uh, do you think this class will – how many can they take in this class now if you had to guess? Yeah, the biggest trends right now are obviously a ton of guys from the southeast, especially Florida. There's been uh, – I think I counted up the other day, 23 new offers in the state of Florida. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, four or five in Georgia. So, uh, I mean, that is that is a ton of guys. Um, and then the biggest – as far as the, the biggest trend or what types of players um, – um, it's it's been a lot of speed. It's been a lot of uh, you know explosive running backs, uh, speedy defensive backs, wide receivers, just a, a ton and ton of speed. So uh, those are the two biggest trends. And then you might want to throw in the the junior college um, ranks too. I think they've offered eight junior college players now, uh, and they've already got a couple of those guys that are going to be taking official visits. So um, so I, I think those are the biggest trends. And then as far as the total number in this class, you know. It had gotten kind of bumped up to 18, but now I'd be shocked if if we see anything under 22. I, I think that we could even see as many as a, a full boat in this class. I don't. I, I get the sense that um, with as aggressive as they're being, I, I don't think that they're going to be. Um, I just heard the entire Red Sea Scrolls rejoice yeah. as you. Yeah, um, I, I think I think they're going to be pushing the limits here and taking as many guys as they can. Let's undersign again, Nate. How yeah. about that? I yeah. mean, that never made sense to me. That's for a whole nother show, yeah. uh, but I, I agree. I think they need to be aggressive and and be at eighty eight at least. I mean, at, yeah, if they least. allow you to be at eighty eight on signing day. You should be at eighty eight every year. Absolutely, uh, because things will work themselves out. And and just like right now, I think there's going to be maybe a guy or two that goes to the NFL. There's going to be a handful of guys that that probably you know, transfer out before the next semester even starts. And then there's going to be a handful of guys that transfer out after the spring semester. So. Uh, for those reasons, that's that's why I think Nebraska is going to to you know they're going to push the limits towards signing a full class this year. Well, make sure you stay on Husker Online. We'll have a complete recap of the entire official visit weekend as Nate, Mike, Mattia, Brian Munson, um, the entire team are going to be very busy keeping track of all the action this week in Lincoln. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.